Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You are listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Live Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time. Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine? Nah, we'll keep that between us. The Iron Women podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show. triathlon is certainly hard on your skin without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. The Iron Women podcast loves Gooder sunglasses. They're made in recklessly fun colors and come in styles that actually look good. My favorite is flamingos on a booze cruise. They have translucent pink frames and teal lenses that add a pop of color to all my workout clothes. Gooder sunglasses are no slip, no bounce, and polarized. I raced in a pair of Gooders at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials earlier this year. Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing, nothing at all. Gooder sunglasses start at only $25 a pair, so no discounts are needed when they're already the most affordable performance shades on the planet. Go to gooder.com forward slash feisty. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Check out the Live Feisty curated collection or pick up your own favorites. Look good, run gooder. Hi, Haley. Happy September. How's it going? Alyssa, it is September. I can't believe it. How are you feeling? You've been off the trail now for more than a week. Are you totally recovered going back out for long runs starting tomorrow? Oh, yeah, totally fine. Like it never happened and <laughs> no worse for the wear. Just kidding. I, yeah, I'm definitely still recovering. Body wise, I feel pretty good. Like everything's coming around okay in that respect. But I can tell that my body definitely went through an effort. Like my snacking is out of control and my eating is out of control still. Like, I, I mean, I just had to tell you I needed to go get a snack because I was bonking in the recording session. Like if I don't have regular snacks throughout the day, I start to get, yeah, like I can just tell I'm bonking. So my body's still kind of on overdrive there and my sleep has been good, but I'm just, it's like the opposite of the long trail instead of not being able to sleep. It's like, I'm sleeping 
too not too much right now it's great that I can sleep but I'm sleeping a lot and so that has been just interesting like I'm not someone who normally ever takes naps. You know, I think people look at us and they're like, oh, you're a professional athlete. That means you can nap in the middle of the day and all that. But like in my normal training life, don't take naps really. And this has been, I'm going on like a five day napping streak where if I don't take a nap around like 2 p.m. Haley, I'm totally worthless and my brain like stops functioning. So I'm enjoying the nap for now, but I also am like, man, I could like be more productive with this hour of my day instead of getting stuck in bed with Ramona, which is great. But also like, I don't know, I'm hoping that's not like a long lasting effect because I like, I like the productivity aspect of days and not having to always nap. Well, I'm glad you are respecting your body and giving yourself some downtime, some recovery time, all the sleep. And in case anyone didn't listen to last week's episode, our our intro is now out of date. Alyssa now holds two fastest known times. She set the fastest known time on the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. If you didn't listen to last week, definitely go back and listen after you listen to this week's, of course, because it's a fantastic episode and Alyssa goes through all of the details of her incredible, incredible three days and 16 hours that she was out there on the trail. It was incredible. So keep sleeping. I think you deserve it. I think you got at least another week in you before there's any requirement of productivity. I just think for this week, yeah, sleep is work. That's what you should, that's what you should be thinking. I'll embrace that. I'll embrace that for sure. Your cells are being super productive and like <laughs> re, you know, regenerating. And so that's what it's just a different kind of productivity. That's true. I need to need to keep that close. And when I'm in doubt, I'll just remind me that Haley said I should go nap. So what about over in Bozeman in September? Like, are the leaves changing out there? What's going on in, in Bozeman in September? I walked cowboy this morning and it was 41 degrees Fahrenheit out. So it's a little chilly. It definitely feels like fall. I think this is a little bit of a cold snap that has come through and it will get warm again. September is one of the nicest months in Bozeman. We can get some snow and that's part of me is like, oh, I'm not ready for that. But it is honestly like, it's just like perfect. It's perfect exercise weather, right? Because when you go for a run and it's like 40 something degrees or 50 degrees and very low humidity, isn't that just like perfect running weather? I, I know that we probably have listeners who are in Texas or in Georgia or South Carolina in the South who are probably like, what in the world? 0% humidity. <laughs> I'm making them all feel bad, but it's delightful. September in Montana is like, it's like a hidden secret that it's actually like the best time of year here. Oh, that's awesome. And that reminds me. So I was, I was brainstorming Haley because I don't have another event necessarily on my calendar of like, obviously I'm someone who likes to stay busy. I like to have kind of tasks at hand to make sure I, I just, I like some downtime, but I also like to, you know, have some have some tasks and like jobs and things like that. So while I didn't have a particular race on my calendar, I am excited because I have signed up to do some volunteering with the local Democratic Party here in Charlottesville. And so you talking about the weather made me super excited because some of what I'm doing is like canvassing isn't going on as normal. We're doing what's called literature drops, Haley. So instead of canvassing where you're going and knocking on doors and talking to people, to be honest, I'm not sure what a literature drop is yet today because today is my first day of volunteering. 
wearing. <laughs> so at 4 p.m. today, I will have a better understanding of this. But they said to wear comfortable shoes that lace up and tie them tight. So I'm going to do that. And then you do get to walk around. So and like we've had our heat like streak kind of snap a little bit here. And so it almost it doesn't really feel like fall, but it's starting to feel a little bit like my mom texted me last night. and was like, it feels like Halloween and it is starting to feel a little bit like Halloween and like fall without like the thousand degrees and million degrees of humidity. So I am excited that, you know, I'm not going to be like this sweaty mess while I go do this and I go door to door. And so again, I'm not, I think, I think what literature drop is maybe I just put a flyer in a door and then I walk away like in the bold print. It said, you won't be knocking on doors. So like, I'm not definitely not allowed to knock on doors. I have to wear comfortable shoes and then you're hand sanitizing in between every house. So those, and you're wearing a mask. So like, I'm not really sure what I'm in for, but I'm excited to do something a little different. And it's like, it's walking. So I'll get in some steps and some like low key activity this way too. This sounds like the perfect recovery activity. And I think that is what a literature drop is based off of what I have found on my door in recent <laughs> months. I think it is you just stick something on like the door handle like or like, you know, stick it on the right in the crack of the door. And then I get home and I'm like, oh, someone was here. Or I'm like, oh, I wonder how long that was sitting there. And I didn't like leave the house. <laughs> it's just like, no, I'm just kidding. Cowboy gets me out. He gets me out. So we get all of our literature. But I'm interested to hear how that works and how you like it. And again, I do think active recovery walking is one of my favorite activities. So if nothing else, you get some good walking in. Yeah, I think this is going to be better. I'm hoping to eventually do some phone banking, but I think this is like a good warm up because like I said, the brain fog is real right now. So between coaching and all of that, like I'm using all of my brain power to be doing that. And I'm afraid if I got on phone calls with people at this point, like what I would be saying, because I think I need all my brain power to be doing coaching and podcasting and not, you know, sounding a little crazy. But hopefully as I keep recovering, I'll keep gaining my brain power back and I'll be able to do some phone banking too. I'm interested to know how phone banking works now too, because my phone now, when I get random calls, it comes up as the caller ID as potential spam. Does that happen to you? And so I definitely answer way fewer calls. I don't answer those. And I know I have gotten text messages from people running for political offices. And that's like an interesting one too. And sometimes I respond. Most of the time I don't. I just like read it. But I'm interested to know what phone banking is like now. If people answer or if you are just sitting there texting people from like some communal text message. Because I definitely get like multiple messages from the same number. But it will be like, hi, this is... Joe. And then it's like, hi, this is Jane. <laughs> and so it's like different people using the same number. So you're going to get the inside scoop, at least for how it happens in Charlottesville. Yes. I'll keep you posted. I get those potential spam calls too. And I definitely don't pick those up either, but I don't know if they make you log in through a system and then the call goes through that. And that's why that like random phone number is getting picked up. Because I assume if I just called my neighbor, which is something I could be doing in phone banking, like my phone number wouldn't come up to your caller ID as potential spam, right? So I'm guessing they have you not using your own phone number, but I don't know, maybe that's like, maybe that's the secret. Like maybe I want to use it so people actually pick up and then I can but have a chat. what if you had to call like your your greatest enemy <laughs> or they think you're calling to like apologize and you're like, nope, I'm actually saying you should vote for Alyssa <laughs> or and you're not running for office. Vote for- I know, well, for just anyone who just got really confused, I'm not actually running for anything. Okay, let's <laughs> record that vote for Jane Doe 
I think the I think actually what a lot of the phone banking is now is just giving people options of how you can vote because this is such a weird year with the pandemic and everything else. So, you know, to all of our listeners, maybe I'll clue you into on exactly what I'm finding out because to be honest, I'm not sure of like what all my options are with mail-ins or I've seen things on the news about like random ballot boxes being placed in the town and stuff like that. So I think mostly we're just trying to get out word of like how you can vote this year and just get people out voting for whoever you want to be voting for. So I don't know, keep you posted, but I am excited to do something a little bit different and kind of connect with the community in a different way these days. Can you see my shirt? I'm wearing a shirt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It says vote on it (laughs) and it has Kamala Harris. This was from one of my athletes, Megan. Thank you. And it's a sweatshirt, which is appropriate for 41 degrees Fahrenheit. But how appropriate that I'm wearing a shirt that says, or a sweatshirt that says vote on a day that we're talking about voting. Voting is very important this year. Meant to be, I think, for sure. Okay, this is like a very large pivot from voting, but swim safety is a big issue this year with a lot of people having closed swimming pools. And our friends at Orca, this was something neat that we found out. They're doing a big swim safety initiative right now and part of that is talking about their wetsuit options and how they have bright colors like orange or neon green on the sleeves that make you a little bit more visible in open water but orca does also make a swim safety buoy it's an inflatable buoy you put a strap around your waist you drag it behind you to make you a little bit more visible while you're out in open water it has a pocket for food and hydration there's a watertight pocket if you needed to like throw your keys in there and because Iron Women listeners get 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com, this buoy is regularly $45, but you can get it for under $40 with the Iron Women discount. That's a pretty good deal. Alyssa, have you been doing any open water swimming recently? Haley, I am getting back into the routine of my once a week quarry swim with my friend Shirley. And Shirley is like an old school swimmer. She never uses a wetsuit ever like if it's 30 degrees and she wanted to go swimming she's just going to swim in her swimsuit when it's 30 degrees in the water like that's just who she is she's gonna like chip off the ice and just like get slide right in there and just dive right in and she acts like it's not really a big deal and then it makes me feel like such a sissy but I am a sissy at times with the cold water because I just don't like when you start getting cold and then your fingers are cold and like everything's just getting cold. And then all you can think about is being cold. And you're not even thinking about swimming. Right. So I tell Shirley, like, I'm just going to do what I need to do to enjoy the swim with you. So I'm actually super pumped because the swim run wetsuit from Orca that I have is like kind of a hybrid wetsuit. Like it, it's not like full on neoprene monster coming in to swim with Shirley and like be like right on her feet because I have the assistance of the wetsuit. So the swim runs like a hybrid. It doesn't make me like that much faster but it keeps me nice and warm and so it kind of just looks like a like I'm just taking it very seriously and I'm wearing like a a tech suit or something like you know she can kind of like just scoff a little bit and not get like the full scoff that I would normally get from Shirley so I'm continuing my once a week open water swims with that swim run wetsuit for as long as we can Shirley says we're going into October so it's gonna be interesting we'll see if I ha- we'll see how long I last but I feel better with this option now I'm glad the orca swim run wetsuit is surely approved and if anyone else needs a swim run wetsuit any kind of wetsuit a swim safety buoy definitely head to orca.com use that code ironwomen15 for 15% off and enjoy your open water swimming into October or beyond 
And Haley, we had no new mailbag questions come in this week. I think people were exhausted after telling us about their challenges and all the big things they took on for that race relief contest we ran last month. So if you do have mailbag questions, send them to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We do our best. We love answering all your questions about life or training and racing and all of the things related to triathlon and and other things. So ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Alyssa, we have a great interview this week. We are talking with Laura Nadu, and Laura is a professional triathlete. She actually lives in Guam, which is a U.S. island territory in the Western Pacific. She's lived in Guam for the past five years, and it's actually where she got her start in competitive triathlon. So Laura's a former soccer player, and she really shot up in the age group ranks. She qualified for the Ironman 70.3 World Championships and Kona in her first attempts. And last year, she decided to make the leap into the pro ranks, She did her first pro race at Ironman Canada, and she tells us about that transition, and she also offers some advice both for rookie and veteran pros on how we can make the professional field a little more welcoming for newer athletes. Laura is also a mom, and our interview happened to land on the first day of virtual school for her kids, so I'm sure many parents listening will be able to relate to some of Laura's challenges of parenting, working, and training during a pandemic. We'll have our conversation with Laura Nadu right after the break. Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code IRONWOMEN15. This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an Orca Wetsuit, actually, so I already know I like them. I've been trying out their Swim Run Wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. So excited to talk to you, ladies. So you live in Guam, a U.S. island territory in the Western Pacific. So what is pandemic life like in Guam right now? Well, right now, currently, we are like shut down. No one can go to the beaches. No one can run outside. For this week, it's totally the island is shut down. So it's been interesting. It's been hard. It's hard on this island because tourism is has a lot to do with how well the economy is doing. And no one is coming here. So uh, it's been hard. It kind of puts it in perspective how far away we are because you can't just drive to your parents we can't drive to our parents house so kind of I feel I've been feeling a little stuck lately just because it's not easy to get off island right now but you know it's warm outside the kids can play at the playground here so we're just making the best of it had things been open and this is kind of like a, a bad week so things slid back yeah things were open and then um I, I guess the past couple weeks we've had like how many cases did we have uh, a lot. The cases just jumped significantly. So the governor just shut it down. So it's just for this week. Hopefully we'll see. I don't know when we'll find out if she's going to extend it longer, but it's been hard. 
And especially this time of year when back to school is like the big news these days, right? So you have two school-age children who I believe like we're watching Cameron behind you um, are literally just starting back. So is it too early to even tell us how that's going so far? Like what did you have to even spend time kind of prepping them for the fact that they wouldn't be going back to a school building right yet? I told them that they weren't because here it was very quick we were they were gonna go to school maybe like five days before school started they were going to go and then three days before school started that's when it was shut down so that was kind of hard having to tell that to them but they actually did better than I thought I I was the one that's kind of more sad for them than they are and she my daughter has no idea what school is like so she just rolls with it, which is the good thing about these kids. They seem so resilient to everything, whereas I'm over here crying, but they're fine. <laughs> so. And I think that you're actually also teaching this year. So how is well, that like from your teacher perspective? Yes. So I just got a job. I got the phone call Sunday and I started Monday. It's a full-time position, but I'm an assistant basically. So I'm just trying to get back into the teaching world and on the military basis, they have school Department of Defense Education Activity called DODEA. So on all the military bases all over the world, they have these schools where military kids just come in and out of. I live on a military base in Guam. So um, I got a job as a teacher assistant with pre-K, with a pre-K class. So we've been trying to figure out how to do pre-K virtually, which is uh, pretty interesting. But they don't know. The poor kids don't know any better. So it's fun for them. But yes, we've been teaching or meeting these students through the computer, which is sad. But the kids, they seem happy and excited. So that's all that really matters. What a whirlwind couple days. We are catching you here. It's so, it's so nuts, really. It's so nuts. So. But you were actually in Bozeman, Montana right. on the U.S. mainland about a month ago, and you and I were able to meet up for a socially distant trail run, and we talked a little bit about your travel plans to get back to Guam at that time and the extra COVID-19-related precautions that you and your family were anticipating. So how did that travel go? You're the only person I know who has done kind of long-haul travel recently. What was that like? Right. Coming to Montana, we flew from Guam to Honolulu, which is about a seven-hour flight, and then Honolulu to uh, Los Angeles, which is about a five hours. And those flights were empty. They're like we could spread out. It was so nice. There was no food, so I literally had a suitcase full of food because I had no idea what to expect. The Honolulu airport was completely shut down. There wasn't much there, so um, I just brought my own food and. Those two flights were empty, and then once we got to L.A., so we flew L.A. to Denver, and then Denver to Bozeman, and those flights were packed. So, yeah, kind of obvious why the virus was spreading so much, because everyone was traveling. So, and then on the way back, it was the same thing, the flights from Denver, and then Denver to, to L.A. again, they were packed, but then the other ones were empty. So we were concerned that we were going to have to quarantine because we still have to quarantine when we get to Guam. And the government is making people quarantine in a government-run facility. There's so many things to it. But if you came from a high-risk state, then you would have to quarantine in one of their facilities, which is like 14 days in a hotel room. 
And I could not imagine after spending six weeks with my children having to be in a hotel without being able to leave with my children. So we need to figure out how we cannot stay in a government hotel, government facility. Montana was still a low-risk state at that time, but Montana's cases were spiking as we were leaving. So we got out just at the right time because right after we got here a couple of days later, they changed the quarantine rules again. So if we would have left later, we probably would have been in a government quarantine facility for two weeks. So we made it out just in time. You mentioned doing all of this travel with two children. Do you have any tips for international travel with kids? I mean, I guess during the time of a pandemic, but also when you've done this for races, because you've brought your kids to races and anywhere you're racing from Guam, you're facing a pretty big bit of travel. So have you learned anything over the years? Well, these kids are great travelers. I think we've been doing it since they were three months old, these long haul flights. So uh, it's much easier now that they're older and aren't crawling around and wanting to do what they want. So now they, I mean, we have their iPads and their headphones and they really just watch our iPads and we have snacks and play some games together. And so they're, they're good. They're used to it. When they were younger, I would have like activities, just activity after activity, just to kind of keep them busy for a little bit. I would, you know, just found a lot of things on Pinterest and whatnot to keep them entertained and would switch it out when they got bored. The three of us are pretty good at traveling, and thankfully, they are very good at traveling. So, And actually, they have really cool suitcases, so that was kind of the excitement of it. My son has a uh, scooter suitcase that I, I want one now, but it like folds up and has a little suitcase on the front of it, and you can put it in the overhead compartment, and it fits right in between the seats. It goes down the aisle, so that made it fun for them, and my daughter has a great little suitcase that she can ride along so it, it makes it fun for them i feel like i definitely need a scooter suitcase for my next international travel I, like yeah. a brilliant idea for triathletes yeah. everywhere so <laughs> it's the coolest thing people looking at us down the airport were like because the kids were way ahead of me and the looks they would get as they zoomed by them was hilarious so, Laura, we did some Googling about Guam, and we learned it's about 30 miles long and 9 miles wide with tropical beaches and temperatures right now in the upper 80s with 90% humidity. In some ways, that sounds like a really great training condition for a hot race, but I'm also imagining what long rides are like on an island that's only 30 miles long. So, can you tell us about your training and the triathlon community that's there with you in Guam? Well, yeah. First of all, the triathlon community here is awesome. I've been here for five years. My daughter was born in 2015, and then 2016 is kind of when I started to get into it. And the only reason I got into triathlon is because of this island and the community. The water is crystal clear, and it's warm. <laughs> so that's, that was a big plus. It's hot all the time. So I love, I love the heat. It makes it easy to train, and when you have a great community like we do here, it's fantastic. And a lot of people do the 70.3s and Ironmans over in the Philippines, so it's a shorter flight, and we'll all go together. There was a group of us back in 2017, I think, that did the Subic Bay 70.3, so it was fun. It's a good community and an easy place to train. As an amateur, you raced your first ever 70.3 in 2016, and you qualified for the 2017 Ironman 70.3 World Championships. You did the race in Chattanooga, and you finished 15th in your age group. Again, this is only your second half Ironman, 
ever. And you 15th in your age group at the world championships, but you followed that up with your third ever 70.3 in Thailand later that year, a race that ended up offering Kona slots, which you took after you won your age group in that race. So that's a lot of success really quick. Did it feel like it came easy to you? feel like it came easy. No, I mean, I, I worked hard and trained a lot. So it was hard, but I don't think I realized how hard I really worked at it after kind of taking a step back and not really doing as much right now. So looking back, it's like, I don't know how I, I don't know how I did it, especially with two little ones. So it, it was hard, but I love it. I, I played soccer growing up and then in college at Old Dominion University. So I'm kind of used to that, like just hammering myself I actually really enjoyed it like the preseason of soccer and everything training for triathlon kind of gave me that push or helped me I you know have that competitiveness so um, when I jumped in and started I didn't really know what I was doing it's not been a dream of mine to be a triathlete it's just kind of something that was fun and some way I could compete since I wasn't playing soccer anymore. I enjoyed it and didn't really think too much about the success I was having. It was just, it was fun. As a former soccer player myself, I have to say that I have a longstanding theory that soccer players make the best transition to the triathlon world that there is. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard you say that before and I totally agree. What position did you play? Something about the soccer legs and the soccer butt forward. Okay. Nice. It was, I, I love soccer. Soccer, I love, and it's my first love of sport. Have you but. tried to play as an adult again? Yes, actually, on this island, there's a great master soccer program, and even for the kids. So I did play, but then uh, it got too much with training for triathlon, and so I stopped. Yeah, I'm too terrified to ever play as an adult now. I'm, like, convinced that yeah. I'll get hurt. I don't know how I ever did it when I was younger. Oh, I know I'll play in my our yard with some kids and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, back to triathlon at least. So before Kona in twenty eighteen, you raced Ironman Philippines, which is another infamously hot and humid race. You won your age group, you were the second amateur and the seventh woman overall. So was that the race that made you think that maybe after Kona you should consider racing as a pro? Not really. I, the pro thing came up just because, you know, like you you guys have said, and Alyssa, I've heard you say it, is that I wanted to compete and wanted to try and push myself as much as I could. Coming in first or second, first in my age group and second overall in the amateur races in Asia, I just wanted something more. I had done that and I was like, why don't I try to go pro? I, people had told me that I would be able to qualify through Guam as a pro. After talking to my husband, and it's like, why, why not? I don't have anything to lose. And I wanted to try and get the best out of myself as I could. So people had been talking to me about it, like, why don't you do it? And I had thought about it, and why not? I'm not competing for money. I know I wouldn't be able to be the elite pros, but just see how I held up. That's kind of why I did it. And really, hearing you guys talk about it, turning pro, it kind of pushed me to do it. Because winning my age group is great and fun, but you do it so many times. Not that I did it so many times, but, you know, you do it once or twice. And it's like, okay, I want, I want to try something more. I want to see what I can do. So um, I went for it. You planned your professional debut for the 2019 Ironman Canada. What made you choose that race? I don't know. I don't know. I think um, it, was, it was cold. It was at high altitude. 
I don't know why I did. The point was that I would turn pro and then I'd do a bunch of races in the Philippines. But come to find out that they weren't doing the Subic Bay race, wasn't going to be a have a pro field. So that kind of hurt my, or didn't help me kind of go with my plan because there weren't many races that had pro fields in the Philippines. And then the coronavirus came around. So that didn't help anything. So then I just decided that summer, like, just let's just do Canada and see what happens. And it wasn't my best race. Just I don't think I'm used to the cold. I prefer the heat is what I learned from that race. Just kind of not having all the races have pro fields kind of. I needed more races in Asia with pro fields, and they didn't. They weren't really offering that. So I just put everything into Canada. What about in terms of like how the race unfolded as a pro racing versus your experience as an age grouper racing? Was it what you expected or like had you talked to people and kind of prepped for differences that might be unfolding as the race comes or were you like kind of going in blind to how tactically it could end up being different or did you notice any difference? Well, I kind of went in blind, I think. I was nervous and swimming is not my strength whatsoever. So I kind of went in blind and also the races in the Philippines have a great sense of community. When you go to the Philippines, you can't really branch off to go out to eat to many places unless you're from the Philippines because you don't really know all the places to go eat. The races in the Philippines, they do a great job of having meals. So everybody goes to the meal together and it's just such a sense of community. And I kind of was expecting that in Canada, but it wasn't. It was very kind of everyone did their own thing. So that was a little different. And everyone seemed very focused and the pros were very focused. So it was a little intimidating for me. And I wasn't very confident because I know my swimming wasn't, I knew I wasn't an elite pro, but I was just doing it to see what I could do. Just without that sense of community, it gave me a little more anxiety than I think I normally would have had during a age group race. So I have a two-part question, and this is obviously talking about whenever races do resume. But first part, do you have advice for someone who is getting ready for their first pro race to avoid that anxiety and maybe the difference that you felt? And the second part is, is there anything that veteran pros can do to help rookies? Well, I think just try to relax going into the race. Um, and set your expectations. Don't set your expectations too high. Keep them within what you know you can do. And have a support group. My whole family was there. So just having them, thinking that they're out there, helped me just keep pushing through, even though I knew during that race it wasn't going the way I wanted to. But I wanted my kids to know that, you know, I'm not going to quit, even though I'm having a bad day or I feel like I'm having a bad day. I'm going to keep pushing through. And for the, the pros that have been in the field a while, I think – That was kind of intimidating, I guess. I was hoping that maybe we would talk a little bit more, but there wasn't as much chatter amongst the pros. For me, because I didn't know anybody, but a couple pros did come up and introduce themselves and were super friendly. And Natasha still keeps in touch with me. I can't can't think of her last name right now. Vandermerva. Yeah. Natasha Vandermerva. We had her on about a little over a year. Yeah. She was super friendly to me in my early pro races too. Yeah. So she was so friendly and just, I feel like just being warm and open. It was so nice. After that 14th place pro finish in your debut in Whistler, you wrote in your blog, I think about living the quote unquote normal life, getting back into teaching, carting our children around their different activities and going on dates with my husband in the evening instead of bike riding early in the morning. But then I tell myself, I can do that the rest of my life. I will not be able to compete forever. So why not just keep going? 
So can you tell us about this internal struggle that you were writing about and what is quote unquote a normal life versus a life of athletic competition to you? Well, for me, it was so hard to, looking back, like when I was in it, I didn't think about how hard it was, but my kids were very young and they weren't in school yet. So I would wake up at four, just very early in the morning and um, get these rides in. And then I'd be with my daughter, I'd be with my kids from like eight until 12. And then when my daughter would take a nap, I'd get on my bike or run or whatever, do that. And then she'd wake up and then I'd be a mom again. So it was really, really hard. There'd be not much rest. It's a lot of like up and going and moving and doing things. So that was, that was really hard. And there were moments like that where I'm like, why am I, why am I doing this? I was just exhausted um, and just pushing myself. Like I knew I wouldn't be able to do that forever. So I just kept pushing through. So now that I've kind of taken a step back and maybe kind of have a quote unquote normal life, I don't know how I did what I did when the kids were so young. When my son did start going to school, I would get off my bike like five minutes before I needed to leave to go get them, get some water, you know, have some protein and get in the car and go get my son or daughter from school. And it's like, I, you know, I'd still be sweaty. Like, no, other moms, I don't want them to come up and talk to me because I was just gross and sweaty. Other moms, I know, they look at me like, who's this crazy woman always in her active wear and showing her muscles? Like, what is she doing? But they don't know that I literally was off of my bike like 10 minutes before I was supposed to pick up my kids. It was a lot looking back on it. And Laura, your blog is titled The Path Less Traveled and you've written... The reason I make this blog post is not because I am going to race professionally, but because I want to see more women and men just go for it and whatever they are doing. So do you think there's power in seeing someone take a non-traditional path to quote going for it in any area of life, not just triathlon? Say that again. Do you think, I guess, that it's a powerful thing for someone to just kind of go for it and not necessarily follow the norm or follow what might be more accepted might what might put them not in active wear where the moms are, you know, not staring at their muscles when they're picking up their kids. Like, did that give you a sense of like confidence and power with that, even though, you know, you might've been self-conscious in that moment maybe, but like, did it give your being more power? Yeah. Well, doing what I did is not normal by any means. Not many people do it. So a lot of people call me crazy and especially having kids. I don't know how many of the other like Sarah Bishop I don't know how she does it with four kids and trains the way she does but no um, one knows how Sarah Bishop does anything that she does so you're not alone in that it's totally yeah. fine <laughs> I see your I post I'm like oh my gosh like how in the world we love Sarah all of that? but Sarah is in yes. a, a yeah. level all her own for sure <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah part of do, doing triathlon was I, I wanted to just to be myself and be who I was um, and I'm competitive, and I wanted an opportunity to be competitive and compete against other people. So um, I just went with what I was passionate about instead of following the path that many other moms, especially in the military. Oh, we lost her. Oh, oh. that was like so good too. <laughs> oh, she joined. I joined. Oh my gosh, this, I am sorry. Oh, are you on oh, your phone? <laughs> Oh, no. Alyssa's used to dealing with Bozeman Internet. You know what Bozeman Internet's like. So, oh, yeah. Totally. No worries. Yeah. This happens all the time. So don't worry at all. We were talking about taking a path less traveled. Okay. During that time, I was 
like I'm just going to be who I am you know I don't I'm not going to try to do what I should be doing or see what other people are doing I wish that I did what they were doing I was just going to take my competitive my passion and follow that and see where it took me I think what triathlon has taught me is just to be myself and not follow the norm or um, what other people are doing because it's so easy especially through social media just to see what other people are doing and kind of oh I you know I should be doing that or I wish I was doing that or I wish I was with my kids where I still had plenty of time with my kids but um, still made time for myself which I feel like not many people do these days they're just so focused on what their work or their kids or whatever and they don't take time for themselves and get so caught up in social media and everything so I just tried to stick to my path and not get too diverted from what other people were doing. Laura you don't seem like an athlete who needs to race super frequently but when you do race you're really able to do very well so once races resume most of us will be coming off a pretty long hiatus do you have any advice for brushing off the cobwebs and being race ready after an extended break? I think just a lot of it for me was mental, just trying to keep my head in it mentally. And if I wasn't in it, it was, you know, taking time off and being okay with it. But that even is hard to be okay with it, like be okay with taking a break. And I've actually started wearing this thing called Whoop. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's a like a, not a bracelet, and it's not a watch, but it's tied against your wrist and it reads your HRV and how much you sleep and your heart rate and kind of it tells you how recovered you are through a formula that they've came up with. Wearing that has kind of opened my eyes to sleeping and getting more sleep and being rested and taking care of my body when my body says it's not really ready to be pushed. So reading that and taking that into account and how much I need to sleep and rest um, has kind of helped me just stay mentally fresh and knowing when to push my body so that I'm ready to compete whenever that may be. I love that. That's, I think the mental side is super powerful, but it's interesting that you brought another tool, like a whoop in to help you, uh, like a sanity check for yourself where it's like, you're like, I feel really tired. Right. And you're like, no, I'm making like, it's so easy for us to pretend like we're making that up for ourselves somehow, right. even though you're doing a million things. Right. But like maybe looking yeah. at that will convince you like, okay, I am tired. It's okay to rest a little bit right now. Right. Right. So yeah, that's helped me just be more consistent with sleep, really. Um, that's what I've learned a lot about is that I need to sleep and do better. Do you do race simulation workouts or anything to get you sort of into the race mindset, um, even though you may have like months between races? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. I guess this is an insight into what my life is like here. I was going to say, did she know that this is the time to be asking for cookies and candy? Because... <laughs> Oh, it's so hard. And yeah. Um, so say that question again, Haley. Oh, I was just saying about the mindset piece. Right. So some people deal with like race anxiety. They will race more frequently in effort to kind of normalize that race situation. Obviously they can't do that right now. What do you think about when you, when you get on a race start line or do you do things like race simulation workouts that get you ready for, for that race situation, even though there might actually be a couple months or longer between races? Yeah, I do a lot of race simulation. And I have a coach, Melanie Mitchell, who helps me do all that. So I don't really have to think about it because I don't really know. I don't really have the time to think about 
what I should be doing. So she helps me get the faster workouts in. Laura, we're going to let you go. We know you have a busy day with schooling and everything ahead. We thank you so much for taking time out of everything to chat with us. I think your story is going to be super inspiring to a lot of our other women out there who maybe are dreaming of going pro thinking about it and maybe are balancing family life too. So definitely some good words of wisdom from you. And I look forward to races resuming because the Philippines is something somewhere I haven't gotten to race yet. So fingers are crossed that some pro races can resume there and maybe our paths will cross out there because I do love racing in Asia. Yeah, I thank you so much for having me. My life seems a little chaotic right now. I'm sure everyone's does. So thanks for having me on and listening to my story. Alyssa, what do popsicles, jello, and slushies all have in common? Hmm, they all taste like summer? Yes, but also they can all be made with noon hydration sport tabs. I have to say, it seems like the perfect way to fully embrace summer while staying properly hydrated. Agreed. If you want to make your own Noon Popsicles, Jello, or Slushies, head to NoonLife.com and use the code LIVEFEISTY. That's one word with a capital L and a capital F to get 30% off your order. Also check out Noon's new Podium Series for pre-workout prime, during workout endurance, and post-workout recover products. That's code LIVEFEISTY at NoonLife.com for 30% off. And be sure to let us know about all your summertime tasty Noon Hydration creations. Big thank you to Laura for sharing her story with us and good luck to all the parents who are balancing homeschool, hybrid school, in-person school, and they're working and training right now. It's crazy, crazy times, chaotic for everyone. As Laura said, Alyssa, I'm in awe of parents and athletes like Laura. Haley. Yeah. I mean, I'm like speechless with words to even describe how I don't even understand how everyone balances all of that and gets through those days. So just thanks for that insight, Laura, you know, hats off to you. And yes, good luck to all the other parents out there. This is truly an amazing feat what you guys have been doing this year. And we are here to support you hopefully with this podcast. And if you have been paying attention, Live Feisty has also been launching a lot of new content, new podcasts. So much is coming from the Live Feisty channel these days. And one of the ways that you can support all this new content coming at you is through Patreon. And so our Patreon community has a monthly subscriber fee that you can pick your level. And that goes directly to supporting us and putting out this content, getting you new podcasts, getting you all sorts of things that hopefully keep you motivated and inspired through the day. And you can join that Patreon community at patreon.com forward slash live feisty. Alyssa, I hope you have more sleep on your schedule, maybe some active recovery, walking, canvassing, and some easy swimming with Shirley. Have an excellent week and I will talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com.